Today, our, our scripture comes from the book of Micah. And I ask that if you will, if you would like to just hear, then you can just listen. Um, otherwise, we ask that you just say with me and follow as I read today from the book of Micah. Um, chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. And when you're just as I, this is my custom. When you're ready to receive the word, just say amen. 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 And, and this is what it means, verses um, 1 through 8. Hear what the Lord says. Advise, arise, speak your case before the mountains and let the hills hear your voice. Hear you mountains, the indictment of the Lord and your enduring foundations of the earth. For the Lord has an indictment against his people and he will contend with Israel. Oh my people, what have I done to you? Have, have I wearied you? Answer me. I brought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery. And I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. Oh my people, remember what Balak, king of Moab, advised, and what Balaam, the son of Beor, answered him. And what happened from Shem to Gilgal that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord? With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgressions, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. What does it take to change the world? What does it take to change the world? Uh, several days ago, I found myself asking, what would I do this year to honor the life and the legacy and work Dr. Martin Luther King. And traditionally, do with my family or with um, friends or fraternity brothers that would do something to honor and celebrate um, Dr. King. So, we're going to do some type of community service um, project. Would it be some type of reflective meditation and listening of speeches, um, reading the letter from Birmingham Jail, making some type of investment and, and some offering? What, what would I do? And you wouldn't believe what I came up with. I found myself waking up yesterday and said, well, I'm going to the Capitol. <laughs> to the rally, I said, that's how I'm going to honor Dr. King. And I will tell you now, um, so I, I, I got ready, I put on all my gear, and I parked, and I started walking, and I can tell you I was conflicted the entire time. So as I shared with my son, I said, well, this is where I'm going to be, and share with a couple of others, there was some time. Like, the, and the question was, why are you doing this? And as I parked, and I started seeing hundreds of people walk, and they didn't look like me, I was Conflicted, and I was concerned and said, Why am I doing 
be in this space on this day to honor a man who stood for peace. And so I continued to walk and I, and I said, why? Why? Because we live in a world that's divided. We live in a world that right now that appears to be in conflict. Black, white, brown, black, red, it's blue. God is humanity, white, rich, poor. It appears to be a world of confrontation and conflict. And yet I realize that for the world to change, that we have to shift our perspectives. And I was saying, I'm going because I want to understand something that I don't understand. And how can I get a different perspective on something that I don't quite understand? I've never understood. I'm comfortable with God. I lost love of Christ to balance. Because I'm not comfortable. I don't hunt. I'm not that. So I'm not comfortable. And so I'm not, and I'm seeing people with but I'm saying the world cannot change unless I can better understand and shift the way I am looking at it, how I am relating. It's not going to change if we continue to do the things I've always done with the people I've always done. So I find myself in this space. And, and the question again, how uncomfortable are you willing to be to help create the change that you want to see in the world? <coughs> How uncomfortable are you willing to be in conversations? How uncomfortable are you willing to be in the spaces that you're in? How uncomfortable are you willing to be with the people that you are interacting with? So I found myself at the Capitol yesterday because I knew that I needed to be uncomfortable. To begin to understand more than what I was seeing on TV or hearing in the news. I knew that I had to better understand. And the only way to better understand was to be present. That proximity, as Brian Stevenson says, is just, that proximity is a very, very important part of understanding other people's stories and other people's journeys. So I found myself in this place with persons that usually I would be in conflict and confrontation. And what I realized is that what we are experiencing now, this division that we are experiencing, this conflict that we are experiencing, it is not new. So we look at the scripture with, with Micah. We see Micah, and, and Micah contemporary, as you all know of, of Isaiah and Hosea, and oftentimes Micah was, he was in conflict because sometimes it's doom and gloom, condemnation, and other times there is hope. And in this scripture, you experience that because the first thing that we see we see is confrontation and conflict that God is bringing a lawsuit against humanity and is making a case against humanity and God is showing this confrontation and presenting the evidence of how God has proven himself over and over again in spite of God provides the evidence against humanity about what he has done. He said, look at what I've done for you. Look at what I have done 
for you, but it's in conflict and confrontation. It's a court case. Court cases are usually not friendly. So it's conflict. And then the response is one, so you go from confrontation in verses one through five to then saying, well, the response is now what should I do when I come before you? So then it seems like it becomes transactional where we want to try to purchase our way out of this lawsuit. So you know how it is. What do I do? So is this, this ritualistic transaction that begins to take place, and how often do we do that? God, what do I owe? What, 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 do, I, what, what do I need to, to do? Do I bring some type of, of offering? Do I, what, 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 do you, what can I give to you? What can I get? How do you know it's like going to the store? You're like, okay, what, what, what's my big? And what we realize, folks, is that we're not going to be able to transact that way out of the circumstances and the situations in which we are experiencing. So how do we move from confrontation and transactions to where we are able to come together to enter into transformative relationships. So one of the things it causes us to begin to put ourselves in uncomfortable positions. But it begins, it also is about us changing the way we are approaching the situation. We have to change our approach. And what you see here is that it becomes a whole shift in the approach. Because what is the shift in the approach? Why do you got to change the language? It's very important that we change how we are communicating with one another. Not only must we now put ourselves in uncomfortable spaces, but when we're in those spaces with those persons who may not think like us, look like us, believe like us, or act like us, we have to change the, the, the language in which we are using. Our language cannot be confrontational, transactional language. It, 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 the, it, it can't be us against them, me against you, you against me, kind of, kind of language. We have to change our language. So as you think about you entering into uncomfortable spaces and different kind of spaces, what changes in your language needs to take place? But he says, what? I've got, got a what? The first thing he says, what? What, the, what does God ask of us? What are the expectations here? Expectations is that what we're going to act what, justly? What does that mean? We just want to have, how can we treat each other right? And, and just, it's, it's not just about fairness, but it's about saying, how do we honor you? How can I honor you, and how can you honor me, and how can we honor each other, even though we may be different in our approach? So to begin to shift from concentration and conflict is that we begin to understand how can we treat one another justly with honor, fairness. How do we treat each other? Even though we may be different from one another. And I experienced some of that yesterday. There were moments of indifference, there were moments of, but there were also there were these inquisitive moments. Because, you know, we began to treat other practices. Sometimes you treat each other right by just giving each other a chance. 
Then it says, love, mercy. Love is an intense word, but it says love, mercy. That means, folks, in loving mercy, we have to be willing to let go of this idea that we're going to punish each other. That there's going to be some type of judgment. Love, mercy. That means we must be willing to let go and forgive. Which means I'm willing to extend compassion to one another. Because the reality is we all human. That this, this journey I learned a long time ago is not about perfection. Purpose and progress. And at some point, we all need mercy. And so how can we let go some of sometimes the, the, the hate and the hostility and the anger? Because guess what, folks? Guess what? We have been wronged. But have been wronged. So let's not, let's we're not trying to overlook that. But there comes a moment that as we're engaging and trying to say how we began to about treating each other honorably, that is that is there a moment when we get to a point where we can begin to love mercy and be willing to let go of some of the hurt so that healing can begin to come. And then how does that happen? And this is What role does the church play in helping for us to have a more just and merciful community? Because then how do we achieve economic justice? How do we achieve justice in the courtrooms? How do we achieve justice in our communities? How do we achieve justice in our boardrooms, equity in our schools, in our classrooms? Unless we can begin to change how we are moving from conflict and confrontation and transactions to coming together to enter this transformative relationship, treat each other right, 